This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Siobhan Moran-McFarlane. It's Wednesday the 14th of February. In your squiz today, closing the gap goes backwards, Indonesians head to the polls, a high-profile presenter appears in court, and some shock chock prices. This is your squiz today. Siobhan, PM Anthony Albanese released the latest Closing the Gap report yesterday. That was to coincide with the 16th anniversary of the government's formal apology to Australia's stolen generations. And it's notable for a couple of reasons. It's the first report released since last year's failed Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum vote. And it's also put a spotlight on the failure to hit several of the targets. That's right. And in fact, things are getting worse for Indigenous Australians in four target areas. They are children's early development, rates of children in out-of-home care, adult imprisonment and suicide. He also described the life expectancy gap as a chasm that is inexcusable. Now, to give you some numbers on that, Alice, last year, the Bureau of Statistics reported the life expectancy for Indigenous Aussies was 71.9 years for men and 75.6 years for women. Now, that compares to a life expectancy of 80.6 years for non-Indigenous men and 83.8 years for non-Indigenous women. So some pretty big gaps mm. there. It's also worth mentioning that the report comes a week after the Productivity Commission's review of the Closing the Gap strategy. It pointed the finger at consecutive governments for a lack of clear policy and action. Yesterday, though, there were some announcements made. Siobhan, why don't you take us through them? The first thing that Albanese announced is a National Commissioner for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Children. Now, they'll be responsible for protecting and promoting Indigenous children's rights, interests and well-being. Then there's also a new $707 million jobs program, and that's going to replace the current community development program. And the goal of it is to create 3,000 jobs in remote Australia over the next three years. Yes, Minister for Indigenous Australians Linda Burney said that it's about putting communities in the driver's seat to create local jobs and businesses. For the coalition's part, Peter Dutton described the jobs program as an admirable aim, but he's questioned whether it's achievable. More than 200 million Indonesians are heading to the polls today. They'll be voting on a new president and vice president, along with executive and legislative representatives. But the thing to know is that the current president, Joko Widodo, will not be in the running. That's exactly right. He can't run again, but he does still have skin in the game. And that's because his son is 36-year-old Gibran Raka Booming Raka. I really hope I said that right. <laughs> and he's running for vice president with the 72-year-old former military general Prabowo Subianto, who is going in today as the favourite for president. 
Now, Subianto has a history of alleged human rights abuses, and some observers say that that could pose a threat to the world's third largest democracy. But given the majority of Indonesian voters are under the age of 40, there are concerns that young people have bought into Subianto's image overhaul, which he's now trying to portray himself as a cuddly grandpa. And Siobhan, a bit of trivia, Indonesia has the world's biggest single-day election, but despite the size of it, the results are expected later this week with 6 million election officials in place to oversee the ballot. And if you're looking to learn a little bit more about the election, we've got a squiz shortcut for you on it. It'll be out on Thursday, so keep your eyes peeled for that in your Squiz Today podcast feed. The former Channel 10 presenter Lisa Wilkinson appeared in the federal court yesterday, Siobhan. It's part of her battle with the network over who should pay for her legal costs of more than $700,000. They were related to Bruce Lerman's defamation case. So she told the court that she was shocked and embarrassed over being dropped from the project in the aftermath of her Logie speech. And that was the one that delayed Bruce Lerman's criminal trial. Mm. And she also said that she begged Ten to make it clear that they'd signed off on her speech and that she was devastated her reputation was being trashed in the media. As you said, Alice, she's giving evidence as the judge in Lerman's defamation case determines whether the network should stump up for her legal bill. That trial finished just before Christmas and the judgment is due to be handed down next month. And Siobhan, there's been a lot of court time spent on Lerman and the claims made by his former colleague, Brittany Higgins. And now the ACT Supreme Court is also hearing a case. It was brought by former prosecutor Shane Drumgold against the man who investigated him, Walter Sofronoff. If you're in Victoria, particularly Western Victoria and Melbourne, you won't need us to tell you that the weather was pretty extreme yesterday. In fact, several reports described it as the worst bushfire conditions since the black summer of 2019 to 2020. Yeah, and that prompted authorities to issue multiple catastrophic and extreme fire warnings across the state, particularly in the Wimmera and Grampians regions. Temperatures reached more than 40 degrees in some parts of the state, with Country Fire Authority Chief Jason Heffernan saying the high temperatures and strong winds created the perfect recipe for a bad fire day. And to that point, two emergency level fires kicked off northwest and southwest of Stahl and they forced residents to evacuate or take shelter. The power was also cut out in several areas after an outage at Victoria's largest coal station. And in Melbourne, the temperature reached 37 degrees before severe thunderstorms rolled in yesterday afternoon. They brought damaging winds, heavy rain and large hail. Valentine's Day seems to have snuck up on me out of nowhere this year, Siobhan. <laughs> and if it's the same for you, Squizzers, and you're looking for a last-minute gift for that special someone today, you might notice that the price of chocolate is higher than usual. Yeah, because we're in the middle of a chocolate crisis, Alice, for real. <laughs> so new data shows that Aussies are paying 10% more for chocolate than we did last Valentine's Day, and that's down to an international cocoa shortage. Prices for the raw product went up by 144% over the last 12 months. And unfortunately, if you're a chocolate lover like myself, there is no (laughs) end in sight because it's continually reaching new record prices. 
Now, a combination of factors are to blame for that, and farmers in Ghana and Côte d'Ivoire say that climate change and deforestation have caused several years of bad harvests. Yeah, they've also called on big chocolate companies to pursue more sustainable practices. And Siobhan, I'm also a chocolate lover, so I'm also (laughs) calling on them to do that because I don't know if my budget can handle more chocolate inflation. (laughs) I'll buy some for you, Alice. Squiz the day, Siobhan. We're giving a shout out to Squiz Kids today. Yes, so we love our friends over at Squiz Kids and the latest Squiz Kids shortcut in particular is fantastic. It's on evolution. Christy and Bryce get their Darwin on and head to the Galapagos to explore the theory of how life on Earth has changed over time. They'll go through a lot, fossils, dinosaurs, DNA. So definitely, if you've got kids, get them together and have a listen. And even if you don't and you just want to get your Jurassic Park on, have a listen. (laughs) If you want to have a listen to that, you can find it by searching for Squiz Kids in your podcast app. And that's our stump for today. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with you tomorrow. G'day, I'm Kate Watson, co-host of News Club. News Club this week was an interview with Lauren Sams. She's the fashion editor at the Australian Financial Review. She's all over the business of fashion and retail, so I pulled her in to talk to us about fast fashion and ultra-fast fashion. In particular, businesses like Timu and Shein, who in Australia alone are on track to record more than $2 billion in sales. Here's a clip from that conversation. What is happening is that it's recalibrating fashion as a single-use item. Mm. So when you think about something that's 6 or $7, you know, my, I bought coffee this morning and that was $5.50. And that that's a single-use item to me. You know, I, I have my coffee. Like actually is, like you cannot use that twice. No. <laughs> and so when you're talking about a dress that's yeah. sort of an equivalent price – People equate it with something that doesn't need to be valued. Um, You don't need to wear it again. To listen to the full interview, just search for News Club in your podcast app and hit follow.